isn't, if I'm correct, strength training actually tearing your muscles down to build them up? Like, you are correct. So it's yeah. failure yeah. to gain strength, correct? Mm. Yep. It creates these little tears in your muscles. And what actually builds those muscles and makes you stronger isn't that. It's the rest. Hmm. It's the time period where you are resting and you're letting your muscles repair. Hey, hey, Holly. Hey, Amanda. Welcome, Lit Mamas. You're listening to This Mama is Lit, the podcast where we explore the multi-sided questions of motherhood. Every other week, we'll be bringing you a new unfiltered chat with another mama writer. I'm Amanda Fields, Editor-in-Chief of Literary Mama and a Divorced Mom of One. I'm Holly Rizzuto-Polker, Profiles Editor at Literary Mama, mom to three amazing children and a cute Jack Russell Terrier. And I'm Brianna Avinia Tapper. I'm also a Profiles Editor at Literary Mama, and I have two small children. Hi. Hi. Hi, Alyssa. How are you? you Okay. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. Alyssa Ages is the author of Secrets of Giants, a journey to uncover the true meaning of strength from Avery Books. She is also a journalist whose work has appeared in The Globe and Mail, Wired, Men's Journal, Publishers Weekly, Parents, MTV News, Spin, and Vibe. Alyssa is a former personal trainer and a group fitness instructor, a strongman competitor, marathoner, triathlete, and an occasional rock climber. She is born and raised in New York, and she now lives in Toronto with her husband and her two daughters. And she told me how old they were, but I forgot. How old are your daughters, Alyssa? They are five and three and a half. And so I want to get this straight. You, with a three and a half and a five-year-old, compete for strongman. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about what strongman is and what drew you to it? Yeah. So strongman is, I would best describe it as the sport of picking up and then either throwing carrying or putting back down again a series of very heavy odd objects it has been it's one of the oldest sports um it started being televised through world's strongest man in 1977 and has just kind of grown since then to now include you know many amateur competitions and national level competitions and a whole series of different factions of the sport I've carried a replica of something called the Husafel stone, which kind of looks like a little vampire coffin, but is just this, it's a replica of a really ancient stone from Iceland that was a lifting stone in Iceland. Um, I've flipped truck tires. I have pulled a truck. Yeah, it's been a whole bunch of weird things. What kind of truck did you pull? Uh, it's called, the the truck's name was Vincent. He had a name, Uh, Vincent, the 50 ton wrecker. His job is to go out onto, like, highways and pull trucks and other vehicles off the highway. And you pulled it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now this makes me come up with a question that I haven't written in advance, but I feel like that could have informed 
birth and made, made it really easy for you. So that was after I had the kids. How would you describe yourself as a mom in five words or less? Oh, I thought about that one, and I think it's just doing my best. I think that's, that's all of us, right? You know, it's, I was trying to come up with something more clever, but that's the truth. It's. <laughs> I think no matter what you do, you're always going to feel like you are either like messing it up or not doing enough. Um, and you know, we're just doing our best. What I did want to say to everyone is in your interview for Literary Mama, Jenny Wexler says, which I thought she put very eloquently, Alyssa Age's debut delves into the high intensity world of strength training. It's part personal anecdotes, part athlete interviews, and all inspiration. Throughout Secrets of Giants, Aegis explores themes of strength and perseverance. She not only learns from fellow strongman competitors, but she processes the trauma and grief of her own miscarriage one deadlift at a time. I love that. Uh, so tell me about that and tell me about your miscarriage and how that inspired your book and it inspired you to become a strongman competitor. Yeah, so I had actually been competing in strongman for a few years before that happened. I had been an endurance athlete, triathlete, um, and then I went to CrossFit. And from CrossFit, I found strongman. Literally, just a friend of mine from one of my CrossFit classes said, you have to come with me to this group strongman class. It's really fun. And I was very intimidated, but I went anyway. And from that first moment that I picked up, like it was a 90-pound atlas stone. I picked it up and I put it on my shoulder and I was like, this is the best thing that I've ever felt. It was, you just feel this immediate sense of invincibility. Like there was nothing that I couldn't do. So I'd been doing that for, uh, it was about two or three years. I had gotten to the point where I was really the strongest I think I'd ever been in my life. I was training for a competition at my gym in Toronto with my coach. And um, we were doing atlas stone lifts. And I, after I picked up one and I put it back down, I felt just this kind of really big wave of exhaustion and not, you know, this workout is hard, tiring, but just real full body exhaustion. Uh, and when I got home that day, I took a pregnancy test and found out that I was pregnant. We'd only been trying for about a month at the time. It was almost like neither one of us believed it. Huh. It was too, it was too quick. It was too easy. You know, I was 30, I miscarried. I was 37. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I really felt like we were going to have to go to a fertility doctor no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were both surprised. And I, I think to an extent I had right away kind of tempered my excitement. Mm. Um, I knew friends who had miscarried. I kind of, I don't want to say I expected it, but I was prepared for this not to go in the way that I hoped it would go. But even with that, you still get excited, right? right. You still start yeah. to envision what your life is like. And, you know, even just thinking about, okay, what, like in my brain, I'm not saying this that loud to my husband, oh, what are, like, what are names, you know, and is it me a boy or a girl? And you start thinking about all these, all these things. And in a way you start preparing for this life yeah. and then you go in for one appointment and that life is just, the whole life is ripped away yeah. uh, and you have to start fresh. Yeah. And that is, I think that's really, it's really scary for a lot of people. It really was for me. Um, but more than that, because I felt like I was so strong, I felt like my body could do anything I wanted it to do. Mm -hmm. And 
then it just didn't do the one thing that it was biologically programmed to do. Mm-hmm. And I was really angry about that mm-hmm. because it's supposed to do that. That's the, that's what my body is literally built for mm-hmm. is to do that. And it couldn't. And so you feel really just incapable of, of things that are completely out of your control. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was really hard. And the, for me, the process of miscarrying was also just very lengthy. I had gone in at six weeks and they didn't see a heartbeat. And then I was going back to New York to visit my family for Thanksgiving. And so I had this thing where I didn't know if I was supposed to tell them or not, because my doctor had said, we're going to, we'll check again when you come back. It's not definitely not viable. We don't know. Yeah. Um, You know, six weeks is early. Sometimes they don't Mm -hmm. see it then. Mm -hmm. And then we came, that was a really tough week of being home and not knowing what I was supposed to talk about. Could I drink? Could I not drink? I had no idea. And then I came back and I went to another appointment and that was where it was confirmed. And then the whole process of actually miscarrying was, was lengthy as well. So I think I found out that I was miscarrying in, I guess the third week of November and I didn't actually, you know, the, the whole process wasn't complete until the middle of December. Wow. Hmm. What is a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot on mentally, I would think. Well, what's your advice to other moms that might go through a similar situation? Yeah. I don't want to give moms going through that or women going through miscarriage any advice because I think they get so much unsolicited advice. And I guess the only piece of advice would be to just tell other people that you don't want to hear what they have to say. (laughs) I um, I wrote, (laughs) yeah, I wrote something a while back when um, uh, I had two people close to me who had gone through miscarriages and they were talking about all the things that people say to them that are terrible and wrong. And they don't mean for them to be terrible and wrong, but you know, it just wasn't meant to be, or like, you know, now you, at least you know that your body can get pregnant all these things that we, they're just platitudes and we think that they're going to make people feel better. Um, but there's, in my experience, there's like nothing you can say to somebody going through a miscarriage that's going to make it any better. Unless you're a medical doctor and you have it on good authority that like this was fine and your body's not going to do that again. Other than just saying, I'm here for you and just literally being there for people and being there to hear what they have to say if they want to talk about it. Um, this friend of mine, when she went through it, we just went on walks regularly and if she brought it up, we talked about it. And if she didn't bring it up, we didn't talk about it. And afterwards she told me that that was, that was what was really helpful to her, that she knew she could talk about it if she wanted to, but if she didn't want to, I wasn't going to say anything. One person, and it's somebody that I didn't know well at all. It's my father's ex-wife emailed and said, um, there's two kinds of women in the world, women who have miscarried and women who haven't. And it made me feel like I was part of a group and like I had companionship in this place yeah. and that it wasn't just me and my, you know, faulty body or some shit like that. And so I, I did really appreciate that. I'm going to use that. That's actually, <laughs> that is something that I would think that's great. Yeah, I like yeah. it. So sometimes I'm embarrassed of this. My miscarriage happened after my second before my third so and it just it happened at a stressful time in our lives and it was very early on Alyssa like it was the first visit I was almost a little relieved they did an ultrasound just to be sure there was no heartbeat and it was twins and I was like 
I, I don't even know how to put it into words, but I had the guilt that I wasn't so sad about a miscarriage, if that makes sense. And I think if it was my first pregnancy, it would have been a completely different situation. I think if it was a different point in my life, it would have been a different situation. So I guess different people at different points in their lives have different reactions. And I was very happy to get pregnant after with my third child. And she came at the perfect time. I was in a different point of life and so happy to be receiving her, you know? So who knows? Holly, you already had two children. And so thinking about what Alyssa said before, right, you knew your body could do this thing that we're told we're supposed to do. And you, you had done it twice and, Alyssa, when you had your miscarriage, as with mine, like you, you were saying that the really overwhelming feelings were this sense of like you were supposed to be able to do this and then you couldn't do it. And so you felt like, what's wrong with my body? Yeah. Right? Yes, exactly. And yeah, because you don't, you don't know at that point, their doc, you know, maybe your doctor says, we, we think this was just a fluke. They don't know yet. Right. The first time they're You're seeing you, the first time this has happened to you, they have no idea. And so you really don't know. You're like, is next time this. And I have to say, I think one of the hardest things about going through it is it really colors how pregnancy feels the next time. If you are lucky enough to get pregnant again and to stay pregnant, you know, I there was no point in my second in my pregnancy with my older daughter um, where I didn't feel anxious or like there was at any point in time there was something that I was going to do that was wrong I was never yeah. just happy until she was here and then it's a different kind of nervous <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense I mean there's so many things along the way in that nine months I think it's more uh common to have if it's not a miscarriage some sort of scare you know each I think with each pregnancy when I think back there was a core plexus cyst on the first one's brain and right like there's just always something one of the things I learned in this journey was you know I was obviously trying to understand how did going back to the gym for me personally help me get through this um and I really didn't understand it other than just you know endorphins yada yada moving heavy things makes you feel like you can do other things but the most interesting thing I think I learned was related to how weightlifting helps us process and heal from trauma. Um, so I spoke to these two wonderful women. Um, there's a group called Trauma-Informed Weightlifting. Um, and then this uh, this author, her name is Laura Kudari. She wrote a book called Lifting Heavy Things about um, trauma-informed weightlifting. And what she explained to me was when I would go for runs during that time, and running was something I always fell back on, I would find that I was... You know, it felt cathartic in the moment. I would cry sometimes when I was running. I would cry sometimes when I got home. And it felt really good when I was doing it. But then almost immediately afterwards, I was back where I was before. But when I would go and lift, I would come home, and it was maybe a whole day where I just felt better. I just felt more capable. I felt stronger. And she said to me, you know, you, there, there were two things that were really interesting. One is that with lifting, you can kind of come in and out of those moments of intensity to give your body a chance to have a little bit of a break from it. Um, but the other thing that I learned was that for me, you know, my, my core was this area of pain and sadness and vulnerability. 
Um, but when I would go for, let's say a heavy deadlift in order to do a heavy deadlift and not hurt my back, one of the first things I have to do is brace my core muscles. I have to press them into the belt that I have, and I have to think of that area as strong. So in order for me to lift, I had to look at an area of my body that was a site of trauma and weakness, and I had to believe that it was strong. Hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do that lift. And that was this is crazy kind of eye-opening moment of that's why. That's why that helped me heal so much, because I had to believe that that part of my body could be strong again. Insightful. Yeah, it was just, that was a really important takeaway for me from from this research. So let's see. There were some other questions. Ah, I know. This is this I thought I think is interesting. I want to know what and how do you teach your daughters about strength, having this insight that you have? Yeah. The biggest thing that I try to drill into their brains in my house is anything you are doing, whether that's lifting something or just, I don't know, trying to draw a picture that you've never drawn before. We, I don't take, I can't for an answer. It's something that I learned in lifting. So you don't tell me I can't, you say, I'll try. And then if you try and it doesn't work, then, okay, then we still don't say I can't. We're still, now we're just going to figure out a way around it. What can we do to make that possible for you? It's this idea that there's nothing that's impossible in life. It's just something that you haven't done yet. You haven't trained to get there yet. You haven't, you haven't done the work to do that, right? It's the same thing as I might look at a 350-pound barbell and say, I can't do that, but it's, that's not true. It's just that I haven't trained to be able to do that yet. Maybe one day I will be able to. And I don't want to, you know, this happens with, with all genders, but I think with girls in particular, I worry about body image stuff with them. I worry about how, you know, how they're going to feel about their own bodies. And I think that if I can teach them now that fitness is not punishment, it's not something you have to do because you ate something or you didn't work out or whatever it is, but like, it's something you're doing that's fun. And if you find the part of fitness that's fun for you, it's never going to feel like work. It's never going to feel like a chore. And so we try, you know, I try really hard to see, okay, what, what seems to resonate with you? Mm-hmm. Well, I have watched some of your videos on Instagram with them. I highly suggest everyone follow you. She does all these fun things and then like she'll lift one with like an arm. to do this and thank you for like being so super prepared so quickly and like getting on board and being one of our debut podcast uh, subjects 